Our lesson today is from the Gospel of Luke, the 18th chapter, starting in verse 9. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. This is the word of God for the people of God. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be with you this day and always. Amen. Uh, this little parable that Jesus tells us today um, is dealing with a chronic problem that Jesus had in his day, and it's a problem that we have in our day, and it's the issue of spiritual superiority. Um, I have, uh, I, I don't know if you've ever heard this, uh, but I've been uh, in Bible studies and places uh, where um, a person may say, uh, let's have prayer for so-and-so at work because she doesn't know Jesus. And, and I, I really think that's uh, genuine, uh, that she wants to pray for this person at work. But, but what I'm always thinking is, how do we know that we know Jesus? How are we so sure that we're the ones that know Jesus? If Jesus would come back today and we saw Jesus, would we know exactly the heart of Jesus? And so uh, Jesus begins this. Do you have pew Bibles here? Okay, if you want to, uh, I'm going to be following pretty much the scripture this morning. So uh, it's Luke 18, beginning with the ninth verse. Luke 18, 9. And uh, it says uh, in verse 9, To some who were confident in their righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. So, in other words, uh, we know the audience now. Uh, these are, are religious people who think they're doing really, really well, but Jesus thinks they're doing terrible. Okay, that's the people he's addressing. Now, here's the story. Uh, verse 10. This is chapter 18, uh, verse 10. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Now, I want you to look at this story not from 2017, and you've heard it in Sunday school all your life, and it's a familiar story we all know. I want you to picture being on that hillside with Jesus that day, and you haven't had all these years to, to decide what that story's about. You're hearing it for the first time uh, as the folks heard it that Jesus talked, uh, told about. So when Jesus says uh, 
two people went up to the temple to pray, a tax collector and a Pharisee, well, we all know who the hero in the story is, don't we? We all know it's the Pharisee because the Pharisee is devout. Uh, the Pharisee is a good thinker. Uh, the Pharisee is religious. And we all know who the bad guy is, the tax collector. They're corrupt. They're cheaters. The tax collector is a loser, to sum it up, a misfit. And the weird thing is that the tax collector is asking God uh, for prayers, for mercy, and he's coming to the temple among all these good people to do it. Verse 11. The Pharisees stood by him the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, "God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get." Now, first of all, the Pharisee says uh, he stands at a distance, and there's a reason for that, because in Jesus' day, uh, the good religious folks uh, didn't uh, want to touch or go near a leper, a Roman, a woman, a sinner. And by not touching these people, this was a way that they showed their devotion to God. And so this Pharisee, he not only uh, sees himself as the good person uh, emotionally uh, or physically, but uh, spiritually and emotionally. Thank God, thank God that I'm not like him. There by the grace of God go I or I'd end up like that tax collector. Now, how do we know that the Pharisee knows he's doing so well because he tells us. He says, I tithe twice a week. Um, in first century uh, Judaism, they were asked to tithe one day a year, the Day of Atonement. And he fasts twice a week. That means he fasts 104 days a year, 103 days a year more than he is supposed to or has to. So, so here in the Pharisee, we have this spiritual overachiever that he fasts all those extra days. And he says, and I give a tenth of my uh, tithing, and he sets the bar really high for everybody. And uh, all, see, all of us, we can fall into this trap of saying, I'm a lot better than those guys. So that's the Pharisee. Well, then there's the other person, the tax collector. He's a misfit. He's a failure, a cheater. And he stands at a distance, but not because he doesn't want to touch anybody or be seen close to anybody. He stands at a distance because he doesn't have a right to be there. He screwed up really big. And he's thinking to himself, if... If we don't have a merciful, gracious God, then I'm in real trouble. I'm in big trouble. And so he's, he's sta- at a, he's, he says he can't even look up to heaven. This bears on him so much. Now, 
there's something inside of me. If I gossip about somebody or I do something wrong, uh, I don't want to look at the person. I don't want to look them in the eye. Um, and that's kind of where the tax collector is. Uh, dogs are kind of like that, too. You know, if they, you know how a dog, if they do something bad, they don't want to look you in the eye. And um, Jim and I have this uh, neighbor's two dogs, and one of them's named Spook. And uh, I had gone out one day and bought about eight hostas from Lowell's, and I planted them all along the side. And the next day, I come home, and the petals are off of all of them, and the neighbor's dog, Spook, is sitting on top of one of them because he likes the fresh dirt. So I'm, I'm yelling at the dog, get up, get up, get off of my flowers, and he just sits there, and he won't look at me just like this. And uh, so then Jim, and we're not people that would hurt an animal, but he wouldn't get up, so we find, he finally just took his foot and tried to lift him up, and slowly the dog gets up and still not looking at us uh, and slowly wanders home. But it's only after he took a few steps, he turns around and he looks at us as if to say, don't you expect me back in your yard again if that's the way I'm going to be treated. <laughs> you know, dogs have such tender hearts. Uh, cats don't. Cats don't look at you because they want to kill you. But dogs... So this guy, he will not even look up to heaven. And this is his prayer. God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. And people listen to this story, and they think, yep, you're right. You are. You're right. You got no business being here. Two men, a tax collector and a Pharisee, it sounds like a joke, doesn't it, uh, went up to the temple. But this is what I want to share with you this morning. We think these parables of Jesus are just so nice. And they're just these nice little easy stories. And we learn them in Sunday school, and we, we think we know them. And uh, they're just, they seem so simple. But it's only when you crack open the parable. It's only when you crack that open and really start looking at what Jesus is really saying, that's when you start seeing, oh my goodness, the depth of what he's telling us. And sometimes we don't like it when we crack it open because we see ourselves in the story when we do. And um, so there was uh, the people sitting on the mountaintop that day, they did not even see this coming. Next verse, 14, Jesus says, I tell you, this man, the tax collector, you know, the misfit, remember, the loser, the cheater, the bad guy. This tax collector, Jesus says, rather than the Pharisee, the, the devout guy, the right thinker, this tax collector, rather than the Pharisee, went home justified before God. And then the next line describes the phrase of the posture for people for whom God can work with and people for whom God cannot. And he says in verse 15, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exhausted. And everybody's jaw hit the floor that this religious leader would dare say that. I mean, really, Jesus? Come on. A tax collector? 
You know, these people, they all knew what it's like to be a good person. We all know what it's like to be a good person. You don't even have to be religious to know what it's like to be a good person. And we know that there's bad people out there in the world. And when we compare ourselves with the bad people, we can always come out pretty good. So let's just take a look at this story for a minute, and let's do a little test and see uh, who really should come out the best. So who do you think um, knows the most about the Bible, the Pharisee or the tax collector? The Pharisee. Who do you know prays the most often, the tax collector or the Pharisee? Well, the Pharisee. Who can speak doctrine most fluently? The dogs, the the creeds, those things. The Pharisee. So who goes to the synagogue more often? Is it the Pharisee or the tax collector? It's the Pharisee. And if you were to ask these two men, which one of you love God the most? The Pharisee would say, he did. Now there's just one more category. Just one more category to ask, and that is, who do you think was more desperate in their need for God? Uh, That would be the tax collector. Oh God, oh God, I need you. And Jesus calls this special acknowledgement of my desperate need for God, Jesus calls that humility. And we have an expression in our world to describe people with humility. We say, just making it real, just keeping it real. Don't pretend to be what you're not. The reality is that apart from God, if I didn't have God and I just, my mind would be filled with resentment all the time and bitterness My mind would be filled up with my agenda and my will be done and self-promotion and self-indulgence. And Jesus is saying, now, I'm starting this new kind of community, and it's going to be a place where everyone is welcome, Jews and Gentiles, black and white, uh, people with all different lifestyles, people of all kinds, and... You say, great, that's wonderful. And Jesus said, but understand that nobody's perfect. And nobody can come in acting like they've got it all together. So, and saying, I don't have any real problems. So the number one rule in this new community that Jesus is trying to create is this. Thou shall keep it real. And I think that's kind of why the tax collector went to the temple in the first place. Otherwise, why would he have done that? And guys, I have to tell you that people, when they get real, when they go in front of other people before God and say, have mercy on me, I desperately need you, God. When we can say those words, there is a freedom that comes from that. You don't have to defend anymore. You don't have to pretend anymore. C.K. Chesterton said, healing comes from when you are known. Sickness comes from when you hide. See, we live in a world that uh, praises winners. And then Jesus comes along and he starts this little community. And it's for misfits and broken sinners. 
And it's for people who have been humbled because they recognize their enormous need for God. And I think Jesus tells this little story about the Pharisee and the tax collector because he wants us to understand our humility and our need for God. And the way that we understand our humility and our need for God uh, is just to uh, be real ourselves and to invite others to be real uh, around us. And that's something that's kind of hard for us to do sometimes. Um, Sometimes, have you ever known this to happen? Uh, If you tell somebody something, you come clean, you tell somebody something real, something that you wouldn't tell everybody, but maybe you tell somebody you confide in. And uh, we have a tendency to want to silver line everything, don't we? Um, We want to silver line it. So somebody says to you, my marriage is about to break up, and uh, we silver line it with, you know what, he, she wasn't any good for you anyway, so you can find somebody else. We, uh, somebody tells you, I had a miscarriage, and we silver line it. Well, at least you can have another one. Somebody tells you, uh, my son John is uh, being kicked out of school. Well, at least your daughter's doing good in school. We silver line it. What if we could just be real to other people to help them be real? So what if we just could say to somebody, you know, I don't know what to say to you, but I'm sure glad you told me to just be real. I'm glad Jesus is keeping it real. I'm glad we can tell Jesus anything, even if it means, Lord, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. I don't know how many of you uh, read that little children's book or remember it uh, about the velveteen rabbit. You know, the story of the little toy rabbit made of velveteen. And he's not very majestic and he's not very beautiful, but he's loved by this little boy that he belonged to. And he hears in the nursery one day that it's possible for a little toy like him to become real. So here's the conversation. The skin horse had lived longer in the nursery than any of the others. He was so old that his brown coat was bald in patches and showed the seams underneath and most of the hairs in his tail had been pulled out. What is real, asked the rabbit one day. Does it mean having things that buzz inside you and a stick-out handle? Real isn't how you are made, said the skin horse. It's a thing that happens to you. When a child loves you for a long, long time, not just to play with, but really loves you, then you become real. Does it hurt? asked the rabbit. Sometimes, said the skin horse, for he was always truthful. When you are real, you don't mind being hurt. Does it happen all at once, like being wound up, he asked, by bit by bit. It doesn't happen all at once, said the skin horse. You become. It takes a long time. That's why it doesn't happen often to people who breathe, who break easily or have sharp edges or have to be carefully kept. Generally, by the time you are real, most of your hair has been loved off and your eyes drop out and you get loose in the joints and very shabby. But these things don't matter at all because once you are real, you can't be ugly except to people who don't understand. 
Jesus began this community where people could come and be real and be loved. And some people didn't understand, but the ones that did, wow, the freedom that they had. But understand that we humans, we are made not to be perfect. And we are going to mess up. And we learn as children, and this doesn't always have to do with our parents or anybody else. We learn this on our own as human beings. We learn how to manipulate. We learn how to deceive to get what we want. And we have to fight that all the time. My uh, grandson, Joey, uh, went to Colorado with us. And about every half hour on that trip, it was... How many more miles are we? How much farther? Are we almost there? How many minutes? How many hours? How many miles? So a couple weeks ago, we took him to uh, Cape Girardeau with us. And as soon as we got on 55, he started in. How much farther? How many miles? And so uh, I just made a rule because... Children, they want to please you, and they want to please grandparents especially. So uh, they want to be good, but um, he couldn't help himself. Um, And so I told him, I said, there's a new rule. You cannot say any of these things all the way down there. You can't say how much further, how many miles. And this is a child that, uh, this has really surprised me what he came up with because he struggles in school. He has learning disabilities, and... uh, so here we are after that. He knows he can't break the rules. He knows he can't say the things we don't want him to say. He knows he can't do any of that, but he's going to find a way because he has to. He can't help himself. So 20 minutes down the road, I hear this little voice from the back seat, and he says, my sensory research tells me we're almost there. Do you think I'm right? Unfortunately, we, we learn how to do that. Here's one more story for you before I close. There was once a man named Jesus. He was a rabbi who loved everybody, even prostitutes and Romans and sinners and lepers. But the good people got really mad at him because he loved those people. And the good people put him on a cross to die. And when he was put on a cross to die, the disciples thought, what's the use of being loved and losing one's beauty and becoming real if it's going to end up like this? But on the third day, God said, no, no, this is, my, this is not going to end up this way. This is how it's going to end. Death will not claim him. He was more real than any other human being. He was the velveteen rabbi. That didn't go over too good. I should save that for the funny bone. And if you let him, he'll make you real like the real you that God intended for you to be. Maybe there's something this morning that weighs you down. Maybe you have a wrecked marriage or had a wrecked marriage and still feel responsible. Maybe somebody in your family has gone astray and you're still feeling somewhat responsible. Maybe you have an addiction. 
Maybe you've been carrying around resentment and rage, and there's somebody in your life that you need to love, but your heart is just so broken. You live with guilt and bitterness. And God wants to say to you today, you know what? My mercy is greater than anything you've done. My forgiveness is bigger and more powerful than anything you've done and trumps anything that you've done. Maybe there's a spirit of judgmentalism, our superiority. Probably not because we usually see that in other people and not ourselves. Uh, but just this spiritual, uh, superior attitude in you of uh, somebody doesn't think like I do. Poor thing, poor soul, they just don't get it. I'm glad I'm not like them. I have to tell you, after watching TV yesterday, my heart was broken yesterday when I, when I look at one of our cities here in America, at Charlottesville, Virginia, and I saw firsthand what bigotry does and what hate does, and people marching for the sake of hate and bigotry, and refusal to accept the fact when someone doesn't look like us or someone is different. And I think Jesus is probably shedding a tear over that. And God is just saying to you, would you humble yourself? Now would you bow with me? God, we're the failures the messed ups, the sinners and the guilt-ridden. We're the anxious, the fearful, and the greedy. We're the betrayers. We're the resentful. Oh, God, we love you. We're grateful for Jesus. We want you to pour out your mercy on us now. Oh, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. In Jesus' name, amen.